Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast, now with brand new funky mode, a.k.a. visuals. Uh, and today, we are talking about episodes 5, 6, and 7 of WandaVision. The hit hit show that's shaking the nation, baby. They uh, these I, I think that you structured this out absolutely perfectly because uh, every time that there seems to be a grander reveal of what's happening inside of the Westview bubble, the uh, the Maximov anomaly, the hex. That you called it the hex. Uh, we seem to have a show right after that episode. So uh, Tanner, I would like you to take off your goddamn mask and reveal yourself. Matt Shakeman. I am Kevin Feige. And Matt Shakeman. And George Lucas. I am Hollywood! Without even knowing the structure of the episodes, you somehow have us chime in every time there's, like, a really big reveal that definitely, like, lets you know what's going on. Because we're not coming in right after, uh, you know, Quicksilver's revealed. We're not coming in after, I don't know, the bubble expands. We're coming in after the real shit happened. Yeah, what a coincidence. I seriously did not do that on purpose. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> Overall, what did you think of the last three episodes of WandaVision, people? I'll start. Um, so I actually liked uh, episodes five and six. Wasn't the biggest fan of this most recent one. Coward. But I wouldn't go as far as to say it was bad. You disgust me. Everything you stand for. I'm sorry. Be like that sometimes. Overall, pretty solid. Wasn't the biggest fan of that uh, that last one. Uh, I love that last one. And I, you are objectively wrong, and you're also bomb squad. I will be firing you and removing you from the website. Okay, I'll just I'll just take <laughs> these oh, no. off. And... Tim, what do you think of Wandavision? Last last three episodes were neat. Um, it's definitely taking the show in a new direction. Like I know some people in the chat were. Not happy with the fact that uh, I, I know Devin was not happy with the way that it uh, removed the sort of mystery element, which it, it kind of didn't. Like, there's there's still stuff getting revealed. It's just not like a super slow burn where you find everything out at the end, which I hate. I hate those because then it just lost me. Yeah, it has it has stuff to offer. I think every episode, like the the thing that bugged me was like once they got into the eighties, nineties, the sitcoms were in sixteen nine now. The aspect ratio were wrong. And like I, I mentioned this in the chat, um, there's gonna be generations of kids who just think that that is what they shot in the eighties and nineties, and that's what aired on TV because that's what all the HD remasters do. And now WandaVision's doing it, so they're like, yeah, so that's what it was like in the 80s. They're no, it wasn't. Us. They're gaslighting people. Us. People had to fight for 16-9 in the early 2000s. Jason and Marco almost punched Mike Lazo in the face to get Ghost in the Shell in 16-9. That is a dedication. It's true. Yeah, they had to fight for that shit. Austin, what did you think of these next these past three episodes overall? Well, when I had to rewatch them this morning, I had a really good time. I was just sitting there with my coffee rewatching specifically these three. And yeah, up until about the last episode, I was I was actually very stoked. I was taking notes, had a lot to say. And then I got to the last episode and I just kind of like went on autopilot and I just kind of let it happen. I think the quality of the sitcom bits have degraded uh, somehow. I, I, don't, I don't think their riffs on sitcoms were very good. But as far as like... 
the twists and the direction the show's going. I think they balanced the real life and inside the bubble shit a little better than I thought they would. And uh, the, the the ship's definitely not sailed off. Like the show's definitely not lost. So I'm ha- I'm still having a very good time, especially after that reveal at the end of episode seven. Am I right? Yeah, it was really funny how at the end of the last podcast, you're like, I hope they don't just cut between real world shit and it's sitcom shit the entire time. And then the next three episodes were nothing but that. Yeah, I remember mentioning that in the last podcast. And I and when it happened, I was like, oh, God, they're doing it, aren't they? It, it, but it was fine. They did it well. I, th- uh, thankfully, to my surprise, they yeah. actually made it like work really well. It, it doesn't feel jarring. It, it's actually rather smooth. That scene in... Episode five, I think it was. Was it episode five or episode six where Wanda leaves the bubble and she's like, if you don't fuck, if you don't stop fucking with my shit as the, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the Marvel Cinematic Universe super fan in this collective. Uh, yes. I, I, I suck Kevin Feige's dick every day. It's true. I have it on video. I pray to my Lord and Savior. Amen. Um, Kevin Feige. Um, but no, I am, I am fully on board. I know a lot of people are like after Endgame, they're like, all right, I'll just come and go as I please. Me, I'm like, I'm full in. I'm locked and loaded. I ain't topping off the gravy train, baby. I am here for the count. And as such, I really loved the last three episodes. I had a lot of fun with it. I There were so many times where I would literally jump on my screen scene and go, What? What? Whoa! Shit's happening! Like, I, uh, seriously, when they when, at the end of episode four, when they did that Quicksilver reveal, I literally went, What? But it turns out they blue-balled us. I, I, I really thought that that would have been a cool way to usher that in because fucking comics all the time do this multiple universe shit. They could have easily said that this was um, Quicksilver being transported from an alternate parallel universe. And this could have been like the way that they ease Deadpool into the MCU because he's coming in. Um, so... Uh, I mean, I'm curious how they work Deadpool in smoothly. Deadpool's the kind of thing where you don't need to work it in smoothly. You're not wrong. <laughs> Somehow Deadpool is alive. Somehow Deadpool has returned. <laughs> the Deadpool speaks. No, that's how they'll announce it. They'll do it in Fortnite. They'll explain it in Fortnite how Deadpool crossed over to the Marvel oh Universe. There is a Fortnite reference in these three episodes. Wait, what? Where? I didn't notice it. So the FBI, they're driving away. Wanda's expanding the boundary, right? And they have to get away from it as fast as they can. That is a Fortnite reference. That is, a, yeah. Don't hurt me. I'll, I'll leave. You had Hold mentioned uh, people need me. multiverses in comics, Tim. Uh, it, it, yeah. Honestly, it, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to think that because we also have to keep in mind that Wanda's also appearing in Doctor Strange colon the multiverse of madness we're still getting multiverse baby so it's it's not too far-fetched to think that she could have opened a multiverse of some sort in this show that'd be interesting and not to mention the fucking uh all the Spider-Man 3 rumors insert poorly photoshopped photo of Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland here. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of rumors with Spider-Man 3, which, by the way, Spider-Man 3 is coming out this fucking year in December. They're they're almost done shooting it, I think, or they'll be done shooting it sometime in March. But yeah, there's a lot of rumors that that will introduce the multiverse too. So, I mean, Marvel's going multiversal, but let's uh, let's get a little bit in depth. Let's start with episode five on a very special episode, which I loved. I loved that title. When I pulled it up on Disney Plus, I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. it's like when it's like when like Home Improvement would be like, oh, no, my son has a cocaine addiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that show did have Tim Allen, so. Huh? 
a very special episode. It's when the sitcoms were like, we're dealing with some serious shit, dog. Yeah, yeah, because, dog, you said it. Like, no one has a heroin addiction. They're not dealing with racism, but there is a dog. A dog dies. Yeah, it's a parody of, like, uh, Growing Pains and uh, Full House and Family Ties. It's like a weird hybrid of, like, three different 80s shows. And uh, the commercial, the commercial this week, Lagos brand paper towels, which Lagos is the city in Nigeria that Wanda accidentally exploded. For when you make a mess that you didn't mean to. This again ties into my theory that it's all about her trauma. This theory is going to fall apart next episode, but for now, for now, it still works. I, I I read that there was a Family Ties reference with regards to the horrifying mutant children. Because apparently, and I read this on one of those websites where all the writers are like Chuck Wendig, neckbeard, soy people that always are like, oh, in pictures. Uh, apparently, on Family Ties, between seasons like four and five, there was this baby named Andy. And then, uh, you know, season five starts, and Andy is five years old without any explanation given to why. <laughs> he just is. Tim, as someone who filmed Family Ties, how do you feel about this? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember much of the 80s. That was when they they froze me next to Walt Disney. This this is a fun little episode where, for the most part, it's just, you know, this is the most sitcom-y episode of the three that we've seen of these past three. They do that just to kind of ease us into it getting more and more into the, like, realness. It's close to the level of sitcom-y stuff that was in, like, the first three, but... We've already gone behind the veil, so we have to see a little more of the real stuff. And then at the end, they have, like, the Too Many Cooks credit scroll thing, where they're still just <laughs> yelling at each other. Yeah, they start, they start yelling at each other, which I thought was great, because Vision's like, Bitch, what you doing? What are you doing here, Wanda? I love the scene of them fighting. That was great. Oh, you know what scene? I love the scene where um, Vision's in the office, and he gets, like, a random email, and suddenly he goes, Boom. We discover that Vision has snap out of it powers, where he puts his fingers up to someone's forehead and he's like, You gotta help me! You gotta help me! Get out! Get out! Yeah, poor fucking Norm. Uh, he, he gets zapped out and he's just like, Oh my god, my sister is taking care of my dying dad. How long has it been? And uh, then he proceeds to just be like, You've gotta stop her! Without saying the first name of who she is. Which was really clever when I was re-watching this. I was like, Oh! You had us fooled. Oh, I didn't even think about that! Yep. Everybody in this town who Vision zaps out seems to know the gender of who's oppressing them, but not their first name. Oh! It's a great scene. I also love uh, 1980s email. The thing I noticed about this one and going into the one that came after, like, the next one, it goes right into the 2000s. So I feel like this one was like an amalgamation of 80s and 90s. Yeah. 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 Because they're not, those styles are not that far off. So I think they were just like, we're we're just going to meld them. They really skipped one in the count. Ah! Eh, who cares about the 90s? (laughs) What, what were they going to do? Parody friends? I, I wanted to see Wanda and Vision drinking Fruitopia and eating 3D Doritos. I wanted to see the 90s style with like <laughs> over-enthusiastic voices. Whoa, it's the 1990s. Whoa, the good times are never going to end. Hey, why is that airplane so close to the World Trade Center? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
the through line for these episodes seems to be uh, this is when Vision first really like gets, I think, observable data that he is being trapped inside of an alternate reality bubble. Yeah, something something's not right here. Uh oh. This is this is the first time Vision really catches Wanda red-handed and gets a hundred percent evidence that he's trapped in a thingy, and that proceeds to drive him away over the course of the next two episodes. It like becomes his mission, and I guess Wanda is just uh, dealing with random sitcom stuff that is mysteriously happening to her and then meanwhile in the outside world darcy monica and jimmy woo are trying to stop hayward from being such an active member of the george w bush administration (laughs) (laughs) i thought the same damn thing like wow hayward we agree total dick right yeah total total dick and my least favorite character of the show like i i feel that character is just a little too generic for my liking but that's just me Marvel is known for having villains that you can sympathize with. I know so many, like, Tumblr people who would fuck Loki if he was real. I know so many people who thought Thanos was completely in the right. I know most fucking people in America agree that Killmonger was right. But meanwhile, Hayward can't have any dimension to him besides, like, all right, I want Vision to be my gun again. That's that's all that there is to Hayward. He's just there to, like, I don't know, uh, minimize Wanda's struggle. Let's blow shit up. Well, to be fair, he is clearly a secondary villain. So there's this like meeting that they have in the in episode five, where Hayward is giving a br- given a briefing on everybody, and he does just kind of like this alternate history thing where he's just like, yeah, so uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, right? She comes up and uh, she she's radicalized by Hydra, and then she killed a million people, and uh, yeah. They, they bombed those towers unprovoked because they hate our freedom. She's a terrorist now. And then Jimmy Woo, Jimmy Woo's like, that's a gross oversimplification of things. But yes, I love, I love Randall Park so much. I just love him as, the, as his Jimmy Woo character. I'm so glad they brought him from Ant-Man of all things. Because he's so cool. I love him. He's the good cop. He's beginning to grow on me a bit. He's the good cop. We found him. We found the good cop. Just the one. Uh, ACAB, EJW, except Jimmy Woo. Every yeah. time after ACAB, we have to write that. He is a good man who does magic tricks. Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy are trying to stop Hayward from doing whatever he's doing by trying to contact Scarlet Witch and, like, help out the situation before uh, Hayward decides to go nuclear and fuck shit up somehow. Yeah, don't forget, he sent in a drone that was weaponized when Monica and Co. they weren't told it was weaponized. So when like, she was like, he was like, take the shot. Monica's like, what the fuck? What shot? Which that was really cool. How they're like, I got it. We'll get into the eighties zone by sending in a drone from the eighties. And then they showed me the drone. And I was like, that's not from the 1980s. Nobody would have been hurt. Drones in the eighties only fired soda cans of tab. Uh, that's it's it. True. They they were just loaded up with tab. <laughs> that's why you don't. That's why you can't drink tab anymore. We ran out of it because of that. <laughs> the drone program in the eighties shot too many people with cans of tab. Jazzercise was invented by the military to train their soldiers. <laughs> it's true. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Some coked up general was like, "We need sexy soldiers. We need soldiers <laughs> that fuck." Yeah, but I like that little detail. And this is when like Wanda, like, oh, Elizabeth Olsen in the show is so fucking good. Because she comes in and she's like, boy, if you don't stop fucking with me, I swear, I'm about to do something nasty. 
This episode is the introduction of something I found very disturbing. Tim and Joe, what did you think of these fucking kids and the thing that they do where they uh they get a bit? That's definitely an odd thing, and it, it, I, I I think it works because it just plays into how um, the world is just continuing to go out of control. That's kind of my summation of my thoughts on the kid. You weren't, like, ridiculously creeped out when that shit happened? When that kid went from being, like, 5 to 10 the first time, I was not okay with it. I was not happy, dudes. <laughs> and then and then the sitcom intro had, like, growing up photos that shouldn't exist. Yeah. And baby vision. <laughs> baby vision. Oh, God, baby vision. <laughs> <laughs> baby vision. <laughs> that was terrifying. That is terrifying. That's the next show. They found baby photos of Paul Benedict and like put him in the makeup. <laughs> like, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, it's disturbing! I love it. Therapist, baby vision isn't real. He can't hurt you. WandaVision. <laughs> Star Wars makes a baby character out of uh, one of their most beloved characters. The, the entire nation, the entire nation loves it. Marvel tries it with one of their uh, somewhat beloved characters. Now that he has a show absolutely fucking terrifying put that back where it came from well like yeah, before that there was like there was the baby peanut super bowl commercial and then there was uh baby sonic and sonic the hedgehog the movie hit film uh which like that that would have been made before baby yoda but they were definitely like yeah we're gonna cash in on that shit <laughs> i i would like to commit homicide on the baby mr peanut i mean that would be two mr peanuts dying in our lifetimes i don't think we need that I, I, in my opinion, killing the baby Mr. Peanut is equally righteous as killing baby Hitler. Because he grows up to be Mr. Peanut. But this all started with baby Groot, let's be real. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it didn't wrong. start with baby Yoda, it started with baby Groot. I don't know, there was like, uh, Muppets babies and a pup named Scooby-Doo. I think this all started with Jesus Christ when he was born as a baby. I think that's the real origin point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little, little baby Jesus is gonna get a beard. Fun fact, baby Jesus also grew up really quick. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like 0 to 30 like that. You, you turn a page in the book. And... This was the episode where I realized Agnes was evil because she was like trying to get the kids to drink Crown Royal. She comes over and she's like tr- like looking through their liquor cabinet and, she, and Wanda's like, what are you doing, Agnes? And Agnes is like, oh, it's not me. I'm trying to give the children hard alcohol. And that's when I knew who she was. An alcoholic. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> was this the episode where she's like, you want me to do that again? Or, or yes, that, that is. Three? This is the episode that she uh, does like a double take. Yeah, this is the first time you realize that she's more aware of what's going on than anyone else is. Like, that was the first time we saw one of the. And, and as we later turn out, there's a reason why she does that. It is so fucking weird. She is like trying to frame Wanda. She's just like. Is that okay, boss? Am I doing all right? Please don't hurt me, boss. It's like how the CIA framed Nixon with Watergate. The theme song for this episode, Making Up As We Go Along. Um, Did you guys catch on what it was really referencing to? Instrumentally, because I did. No. It was one of my mom's favorite shows growing up, so I watched it a lot as a kid, so that's why I caught on to it. I don't know if it's an actual good show. But are you guys familiar with the... 80s comedy TV series, The Greatest American Hero. Yeah, that's the one with the song that I love. 
The song that people parody. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Please leave a message right at the beep. (laughs) The instrumentation is almost identical. When I I realized that as I was watching it, I was like, hey, hey, I see what you're doing there. You're referencing George Costanza's voicemail machine. Believe it or not, I'm not home. Every time I hear that song, (laughs) I wish I was at E3. It makes you smile. Yeah, Vision and Wanda have a fight at the end of the episode, and uh, it it doesn't it, it resolves pretty well because he just admits that he's afraid of what's going on, and Wanda's able to calm him down by being like, "Well, you know what really matters? We're a family. You have kids. We live here." And he's calm for a second, and then you hear a fucking knock at the door, and, and then Marvel fucking tricks us. You hear a knock on a door, and who is it but Evan fucking Peters? Here's here's my thought process. When he when he opens the door and he comes in and you see his face for the first time, this is what I dead ass said out loud at first. I said, Aaron Taylor Johnson looks a lot different than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he and then he showed him again, and I was like, No, wait, that's the other one. They had me kind of fooled into thinking that it was gonna be. Like, they do this this really fucking smart thing where they, they just show the back of his head at first, and at first you think, oh, it's it's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Then they cut around, and it's Evan fucking Peters. Threw me right the fuck off, and just, my jaw just hit the fucking floor. Tim, what did you think of the reveal? It was good. Um, and my, the word that I said was, oh, it was, <laughs> it was an emphatic, oh, oh. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. I was just like, oh, I texted my one friend who they don't care about MCU, at, like, at all. Like, they like Spider-Man and they like Black Panther. That's about it. But they also like Fox X-Men. So I was like, you're never going to watch this show. This thing happened. Uh, I think that this is actually ushering in a part in the future episodes where Wanda brings the Hulk into the reality, as well as uh, Falcon. And we get to see Terrence Howard and Edward Norton reprise their roles That's in Marvel. I to see. Like, I, I keep seeing photoshops, like, next episode of WandaVision's crazy, and it's just Terrence Howard photoshopped <laughs> onto the Don Cheadle war machine. <laughs> I almost said Terrence Malick. That'd be real interesting. <laughs> Terrence Malick's war machine. Terrence Malick, famous recluse who doesn't like photos being taken of him, decides to star in WandaVision. Would you be surprised? They got Ethan Hawke, some guy who used to talk shit, so much shit about Marvel, in a Marvel show now. So what what does it matter? Isn't he in, like, Moon Knight or something? Yeah, he's going to be the main villain of Moon Knight. Nice. I am fully convinced that when um, Daniel Day-Lewis comes out of retirement, he's going to play Doctor Doom or something. He's going to play Galactus. He's going to go to John Watts, and he's just going to be like... John, it's uh, it's me, Daniel Day-Lewis, doing my Daniel Plainview impression. So I was going over the script here of your Fantastic Four film, and I was doing a little bit of research into the lore of the Fantastic Four, and I found a villain that I think I would be perfect for. So, for your next film, I would like to play this giant known as Galactus. And for the next couple of months, I will be eating planets to get into character. <laughs> We're going to see on the news one day, it's like, Mars is missing. Mars is gone. (laughs) We don't know where it went. It's gone. 
His power's too strong. Daniel Day-Lewis would actually get superpowers to play a Marvel character. <laughs> he would find a way to actually get superpowers. Like, he would jump in a pit of radioactive waste, and he's like, here we go, method, baby. Here I am, right above the Mr. Burns nuclear power plant. Tonight, I'm going to dive right into the vat of nuclear chemicals. Ooh, this is where Good. we get the Daniel Day-Lewis remake of The Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yes! Mr. Kaufman. I just watched your original Toxic Avenger film, and I heard that they're remaking it. <laughs> Basically, uh, Marvel can do whatever the fuck they want. Not even Star Wars has this kind of star pole anymore. Solid episode, great twist ending, moving on. That's it. That's all I had to say. This one, the Halloween episode, a.k.a. Goddamn Elizabeth Olsen. God, goddamn. What a great performance in this episode. I loved how the Scarlet Witch costume from the comics is... The Sokovian fortune teller. And I don't know what the fuck Vision was. You think Paul Bettany was like, oh, thank God, they can just spray paint some red on me instead of putting on this full advanced getup. For most of this episode, this is so much easier. I was very happy to see a reference to Mucha Lucha in this this show. (laughs) They just fast forwarded straight to the 2000s like we talked earlier, because this one is all Malcolm in the middle all the time, baby. Wanda in the middle. Yeah, the kids are like breaking the fourth wall like Frankie Muniz does. Pietro is in this episode chilling on the couch. Joe mentioned this in a text, but they do something with the camera that I haven't seen in a Marvel movie so far. They uh they do a split diopter shot, which um is also in film circles we call it the Brian De Palma shot, where something in the foreground is in focus, but also something in the background is in focus. I believe you do it by attaching a thing to the lens that is like cut in half and lets you focus on different like things. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. That was interesting. It's the first time we've seen this in an MCU property, which is bizarre. Malcolm in the Middle was famous for the split diopter shots. Austin, what are your thoughts on the episode overall? It was very good. There wasn't like a big like blow your mind reveal at the end. There was a little bit more of that wish fulfillment thing because you have some like carryover hatred for Hayward. Like Hayward seems to be getting away with a lot. And this episode, instead of revealing that, like, I don't know, Wanda is actually a fish or something, uh, like it just shows her just completely <laughs> poning Hayward. Throughout the course of the episode, it's kind of like a few separate things. Wanda is trying to have a happy Halloween with her children. Vision is trying to figure out for sure what is going on. I forget what Monica and all of them are doing. I think they're, like, trying to hack the FBI mainframe, right? So they, like, get kicked out because Hayward's, like, they're getting too close to realizing what's going on. And then they have a kick action scene where Jimmy Woo, Jimmy Woo's it up. Jimmy Woo, we stand up, king. Did you guys hear they might make an X-Files type spinoff with Jimmy Woo? I have. I want it. I just want more Woo all the time, baby. Jimmy Woo does some cool action shit, and it's awesome. And then they go in and they hack, and they're like, oh, they're doing stuff. Honestly, I think this might have been my favorite episode so far. <laughs> Tanner's facial reaction. It was probably my favorite episode so far, too. So we're on the same page. Which okay, good. cool. Like, it, it continues to um, build a dynamic with the characters. You get to know them s- still a little bit more. I think the performances here were probably at their strongest. Most notably between Elizabeth Olsen, Evan Peters, and uh, we'll talk about her here in a bit. Catherine Hahn actually really fucking shines in this episode. And just the one little scene. I think it was just perfectly written, really well performed. Uh, Aside from what uh, 
I think it was Tim had pointed out, aside from uh, the aspect ratio being completely different from uh, that era of television, just being completely off, I think the level of homage for uh, early 2000s televisions pretty fucking spot on. And honestly, the weird shit that they pull off in it is probably my favorite out of all the weird shit that they've done so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree. I would say I probably enjoyed this one the most out of all of them. Like uh, like Austin said, it was... There's not a whole lot of, like, big reveals, but it was just thoroughly entertaining episode. And, like, the sitcom stuff was really funny. Um, the stuff that was shown, like, the real, the, like, real world stuff was interesting. The commercial in this one was the funniest. That shit was hilarious. That was my favorite commercial. That's where my theory falls apart about it all being about her trauma, because I do not know what the fuck that's about. I, I don't know what it is either. Either way, I loved it. It's just like a really solid, like, just like late 90s, or 90s in general, early 2000s, weird ass kid commercial. And then it just like it it goes all the way where most of those commercials wouldn't because like it's actually for kids, but it's still weird. Like this one just like shows a person dying on an island, <laughs> uh, whatever the product was, because he can't open a pudding cup. The, the yogurt for survivors. Yo, Yo magic, which maybe oh, Yo magic, maybe that's about the magician in Westview and uh, hold on, pulling more shit out my ass. Um, Maybe. And that ties into the trauma of, 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 um, 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 I'm juggling. There's <laughs> some balls in here in post-Austin. I, I thought it was about how they were experimented on and they, they basically had to get powers in order to survive the ordeal. Oh! Holy shit! You're right! My theory lives, baby! <laughs> Watching a watching a Disney product where a little kid uh, with very evident stop motion fingernails is just trying to open a yogurt and he dies before he can eat it was so fucking cool. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I loved it. So by the way, so the Malcolm in the Middle stuff, right? Fun fact about it. When the kids would break the fourth wall, you could see Evan Peters' character in the background acknowledging it. Oh, so he's, like, staring at the camera? Yeah, like, whenever, like, one of the kids would be like, so, <laughs> I shit my pants today. Evan Peters in the background will be, like, staring at him, like, what's what's he doing? What's he doing? Ah. Ah. Interesting. Which makes me think Evan Peters' character is something big. Uh, this is, like, an, an aside, but there's a point where I think Monica is talking to Hayward. I don't know if this is a Suicide Squad reference, but she channels her Amanda Waller. She says, if Wanda is the problem, she has to be our solution. Yeah, that's Suicide Squad logic. Uh, and then Paul Benini, <laughs> Paul Benini, that's it, huh? We're some type of WandaVision. <laughs> Uh, this yeah. episode has my favorite shot from the entire series, which for oh, like a $25 million an episode show, they, it's had a lot of really great shots. But this one, it, it doesn't really call too much attention to itself. Vision walks up onto a cul-de-sac. The FBI people are, uh, you know, the good FBI people, the good, the good sword people are looking at him on a radar. Then it cuts to him walking up to a cul-de-sac, a big circle. And they have this whole wide shot where all the houses and shit are lit up in this really crazy way. It looks exactly like suburbia that you see with your eyes, but it's a nighttime shot in really deep focus. And what that means for, like, shooting it on camera, that means so many fucking lights. 
Like, massive lights. Lights on condors. So much fucking effort was put into this wide of this cul-de-sac. It blew my fucking mind looking at it. It is $25 million an episode, and it shows. Like, it's not like Mandalorian, where the special effects were a little lacking at times. These look like movie-quality special effects. Yeah. Genuinely. Th- they honestly look a lot better than most of Marvel's special effects in their movies, even. No, they, <laughs> they use a lot more practical effects in this show. Probably because it was cheaper. <laughs> Probably. We could get cynical and just say, uh, between Avengers Endgame and this... There was a new release of Houdini that came out. So special <laughs> effects are just going to get better every time Houdini releases a new version. It's true. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Puppet Pietro, the whole episode, is trying to bond with Wanda. And there's one scene where that doesn't that doesn't go so well because Wanda finally asks him a question. Because uh, there's earlier in the episode, Puppet Pietro is like, hey, this this Halloween is way better than that year we got Typhus. And it has a family guy flashback of, like, some old woman giving them a fish. And Wanda's <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's how that went. And then later, Wanda's like, hey, Pietro, what was that name, the name of that kid with that skin condition who stole your boots? And Pietro's like, I get it, you're testing me. And that totally didn't, like, set off any alarms in my head the first time I saw it, that he couldn't... <laughs> now it does. He couldn't answer one of her questions. Yeah, but now it does because it's because he doesn't know because it's not him. Meanwhile, how how does the Halloween actually go? So so Vision he, he fucks Wanda over because he announces right as he comes down in costume, he's like, "I'm gonna go do neighborhood watch stuff," and then Wanda goes out with the kids, and Pietro is the villain father figure because he's super jazzed to do that. They steal all the candy. They ruin all the tricks. And you know what? Genuinely being little shits. And Wanda's just standing there. My favorite part about that was like, they stole all the candy. And then right after that, that's when the candy gets stolen. Like he's announcing things before they happen. At first I thought, oh, they made a mistake. And then I realized, no, Marvel doesn't make mistakes. They did that on purpose for some reason. I just don't know why. It was in the script because Pietro is part of the simulation. He is an element of it. And the script is really being written by uh, someone else. Papa Pietro is linked into the internet that is the planning of WandaVision. So he was taking those kids around and doing that, and that's why they knew before it happened. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Austin. So just uh, in post, make it sound like I said that instead of you. We'll just get Ethan to do his uh, AI that just generates Tanner's voice. I actually am the only person alive outside of Adobe's staff with a copy of Voco, the program that they didn't get to release because it was Photoshop for voice. And then every law enforcement official that heard about it was like, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> they announced it like Adobe. No. They announced it at like Adobe Max 2015 or 2016. And then like just everybody shit their pants and they're like, Wait a second, no, you don't get to have Photoshop for audio. The world sucks already. Don't do this. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, the kids' Halloween costumes reminiscent of their uh, comic book costumes. Oh, yeah, because uh, what, what's his fucking name? Billy is actually going to grow up to be Wiccan, and Tommy is going to grow up to be Speed, right? Is that politically correct? I don't know. Wiccan? They call it Adderall now. Yeah, the W. Is that is that a thing you can say? Isn't that a thing? Wiccan is a religion, I think. Remember, I am uncancelable. <laughs> that would be funny if your your superpower in real life that you find out isn't that you can like lift shit or run fast. It's that people cannot cancel you. <laughs> Every time they try, I just grow more powerful. Are you Donald Trump? 
oh god, Donald Trump and I have the same superpower. We we try that superpower out. We we like do a tweet with that video of you from the award show saying that thing about the Japanese people, and we tweet it out, and it's just like morphs into this video of you at a puppy shelter, like helping out. You're like, you're gonna put these puppies down. I'm gonna adopt all of them right here. I'm Tanner Craft, and I approve this message. I am uncancelable. Everything I say morphs into something politically correct. Vision finds Agatha on the outskirts of town, and she's like, bitch, and he's like, bitch, what you doing, boy? What you doing? Our friendly neighborhood watchdog Vision uh, t- takes a little journey of his own outside of uh, outside of Wanda and uh, Pietro's little uh, adventure, and he begins to notice... He, he reaches a point in the town where things are just frozen and just stuck in place. Like, the first thing that he notices is uh, he gets to a certain point and he gets to this house and this woman is just, like, putting up Halloween decorations and just keeps doing it over and over again. Um, close up, there's a tear running down her face, which was fucking creepy. W- was anyone else unsettled by that um, specifically? Oh, I was deeply unsettled, yeah. which meant it was done. It was done. It was good. It, it is a f- very effective scene. Then it cuts to uh, the scene that Austin was talking about earlier, where they're just all standing in this uh, cul-de-sac, just completely fucking frozen. And then Vision reaches a point. I think it's like closer to where the uh, to the barrier at this point, and he sees a car. Like, right at, like, a a T-intersection in the town. And he goes up to it. uh, Sitting there is uh, Agnes, just sitting in her car in costume. Vision's like, hey, um, where are you off to, Agnes? She's like, oh, I'm off to the Halloween extravaganza downtown. Downtown's that way. Oh, I must have gotten lost in a town that you've lived in your entire life. Oops. And so... Vision unfreezes her like he did um, with the one guy in the previous episode. And she starts panicking. Oh, uh, your Vision, you're you're one of the Avengers. Have you come here to save us? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, but what's an Avenger? Wait, you don't know? What happened? Well, Vision, you're dead. We're all dead, aren't we? Oh, that was so disturbing. It was freaky as fuck. Fuck! And she just starts shouting, "Dead! Dead! Dead!" And then Vision just puts her back in that trance, and it's just like, "I'm gonna figure this out." But the crazy thing is, is that now that we know what we know, she wasn't in a trance at all. Yeah, I think it's just her more or less continuing to pull the strings. She does and a maniacal laugh at the end of it. She does, yeah. And notice how she's wearing a witch costume. She is wearing a witch costume. That's right. And then my favorite scene in all of Wandavision happens which is something that shows a lot about Vision's character. Remember, he doesn't know who he is. He, he has, like, all of his memories gone, white, kaputs, kapouts, chipotles. Chipotle. No memory, head, no brain, head, no thoughts, head empty. Anyway, um, we discover he tries to get through the barrier to talk to everyone, and he is being destroyed as he tries to do this. But all he cares about is the people! Help the people! Which I think just shows a lot about his character and how the people he needs to help come first. But that was, that was the most heroic moment of the show so far, I thought. He's a better Superman than Zack Snyder's Superman. That's like when superhero movies really freaking work is, when, is shit like that. Like when they actually care about saving people. 
Billy's like, Daddy's in trouble. Mom, Mom, Daddy's in trouble. And then Pietro's like, Your husband can't tie twice, am I right? <laughs> and Wanda's like, Smack! But yeah, it's exactly what Tim did. Fuck you! And then Wanda's like, I'm bolt boy, I'm about to do it, and she expands the bubble. Tim, what, what did you think of this moment? It was good. I mean, I, I feel like you pretty much got it. Like, it, it, it definitely was, like, the big moment of the episode. And was it before or after this that we start to see, like, the flashes of him with the gun wounds? This was that episode. It, it was before she blasted him that she saw him with all the gun wounds on him. Yeah, and that was something that I, I thought it would have been cool if, if it switched between him and the MCU version when we see him with the gun wounds. They got Aaron Taylor Johnson to come back just to play a corpse. Just for a shot. <laughs> they, they would pay $2 million for it. They would do that, though. I imagine it's not a matter of they couldn't get him. It was a matter yeah. of Aaron Taylor Johnson was busy. Fair. It's not what they did with, like, We Can Be Heroes, where they Robert Rodriguez, like, approached Taylor Lautner to be in it, but... Taylor Lautner declined to be, be Shark Boy. Because here's the thing about that. He contacted Taylor Lautner and said, hey, well, we can have you in it. If not, we, we'll, we will probably recast you, but we're bringing Shark Boy back. Do you want to play him? Taylor, I, I think Taylor Lautner said no. Release the Lautner cut. <laughs> what is he doing? What more important things is Taylor fucking Lautner doing? I don't think he wants to act anymore. Yeah, I don't think he cares about acting anymore. I think he got too much shit from... Not only the Twilight Saga, but then after that, he was in just a bunch of Adam Sandler comedies. He, he made his coin. I mean, for a guy with abs of steel, he's not very tough, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Those Twilight movies got so much vitriol. It is what it is. Back to yeah. WandaVision. Back to WandaVision. Wanda decides to uh, unlock the console and expand the skybox <laughs> to, to take up more of the map. She, she looks into the camera and is just like, hey, audience, you like Fortnite, right? Well, so do I. It's and then... not a Fortnite reference. I, hate <laughs> I know it isn't. Everyone in the FBI proceeds to see the little counter that says, you know, go to the safe area. And so they all panic and they, they start driving away. Most of them don't make it. Uh, Kat Dennings is actively like chained up. So she gets a funny Samuel Jackson at the end of uh, Infinity War moment. The second time in Marvel where someone tries to say fuck and ends up, you know, being cut off. Then um, WandaVision proves that it is a based show, and it turns the FBI people, once they get into this barrier, into what they it's truly clowns. are. But just circus freaks. Circus clowns. <laughs> Hell, yes, I love it. Yeah, WandaVision is left, confirmed. Based. Kevin Feige, confirmed Marxist. <laughs> and the show ends on the scene I thought was really gratuitous of Hayward going, Oh, I pissed myself. I think I shit myself. Is anybody there? Oh, fuck. On the phone. And he, I loved it. he graphically shits his pants. Like, <laughs> we see the shit. There's a close up. He's wearing like really light khakis and just brown. They, they show the things that CSI won't show you. This is creative integrity. Not since uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Have I seen a more graphic scene of somebody shitting their pants? This is the way Seth MacFarlane wanted. Release the MacFarlane cut of Justice League. 
this, this show sometimes. That's really how the episode ends. The uh, hex expands a lot, and it ends on Hayward going like, hey, is anybody there? Can anyone hear me? I, I like the number one IMDb trivia, which is when Vision starts speaking Spanish and Wanda gets turned on by it. It's apparently a homage to the Adams family. Okay. Alrighty. When uh, Gomez and uh, Morticia, would, Morticia. Do, would, Morticia would speak French and Gomez would be like, oh, boner. <laughs> this is the first episode of the show to not have a laugh track. Oh, True. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that the 2000s was when that was really starting. Uh, they, they were starting no to way. phase in more of the sitcoms without the laugh track. You're not supposed to cross Ellis Avenue, right? Yeah. Right. Well, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when the Sokovia Accords were signed, the President of the United States in the Marvel Universe was President Ellis. That's what that means! Huh. Yep. When they're walking away from the movie theater, the two movies playing are both Disney movies. The Incredibles and Parent Trap. Which, that's my favorite double feature. I don't know about you. Okay, so I did look it up, because I, I was trying to remember if President Ellis was uh, the same one from Iron Man 3, and it was. Oh, he okay. is. Played by Death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. William Sadler. A.K.A. William Sadler. Yo. Yeah, no, Death from Bill and Ted played the president in a Marvel movie. It's all connected, baby. <laughs> Let's move on to episode seven. Okay. A fine episode, but probably the weakest of the three. Episode episode seven. Austin, thoughts, hurry. Uh Awesome thoughts. Uh, episode seven was was pretty okay. Uh, I I thought the reveal was uh, it felt timely. Like I've seen a lot of TV, and when that reveal started to happen, I pointed at the screen and I was like, "This is when it happens." And uh, the plot of it is kind of boring uh, at certain parts. I thought the gag of Vision and two broke girls sitting in a car uh, went on a long time and not too much happened. And the circus part was kind of whatever. Uh, but it was it was cool watching Wanda just commit to staying at home and i don't know i didn't take too many notes during this episode i guess i don't like it that much this episode is just like a vehicle to tell you that agatha is agnes i don't know i liked it some it was cool seeing the mockumentary era of television being parodied somewhat uh what what did someone else think of it got a just a case for the mondays Thoughts, hurry. Uh, it was very A-OK. It's my least favorite episode of the series so far. All of the circus stuff went on for way too fucking long. It didn't really amount to that much. Um, and yeah, no, it was just basically a reveal, a, a build up to a reveal that uh, Catherine Hahn uh, really likes playing Marvel villains. This is, this is her second time in a Marvel property where she's been uh, revealed to be a villain because remember, she was... Um, Olivia Octavius. Yes, she was totally Thanos. Um, No, she was uh, Olivia Octavius in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Spoilers for Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, no, this is her second Marvel surprise villain as um, Agatha Harkis, which I had to uh, Google who that was after the reveal because that is a character i have no knowledge about in the marvel universe and when i looked up images of agatha harkis the mcu pulled in another aunt may and took a character that's basically geriatric and made them middle-aged younger and hotter i guess so it, it, it's better for the character to make her more of an equal to wanda anyway i've been calling that reveal since week one and it was so cool to be right tim thoughts hurry cool good <laughs> uh, I thought this was the funniest episode of the show so far. That's good. 
I uh, I love the mockumentary style of sitcom. So every like lampooning of it just made me laugh my ass off. Like with Vision's like, why am I here? I need to get home to my wife. I was losing it. I was losing my shit. That, that I had to rewind pr- because I was laughing so hard. I that that was one of those little tidbits that did make me laugh. But honestly, for me, the humor here was oh, the not humor worked perfectly. Point. Nope, nope. Okay, I'm with Brennan. Wrong. I'm with him. When she says it's a case of the Mondays, you know, like like fucking says it in that weird like I'm a mom trying to be hip. I was like, oh fucking end me, and, and I love that shit. <laughs> I love it. Oh. I what, what, what up, about baby? You, what about you, Tim? What, 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 what were your thoughts on the humor? Yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. Um, I, I think what made the humor work a little bit was that we're really seeing the world break. Like that that part of it was entertaining to me. Like we're seeing like the controllers morph into GameCube controllers and then into the Atari joystick and then the Uno cards. Like that that was fun <laughs> to me. That shit. I loved all the bits about the universe changing and, like, Wanda losing control. Those bits are great. Yeah, she goes to get um, her 2010s, like, good-for-you, like, vegan-ass almond milk, and then it shapeshifts into a carton with a missing kid on the back, and then shapeshifts into, like, a 50s bottle of dairy. I was gonna mention that. What was with the fucking, like, missing kids thing on the on the goddamn milk carton? We're, we're gonna find out that that missing kid is a certain obscure Marvel character that only Tanner knows. So, fun fact about that kid, actually. He's actually the obscure Marvel character Gizmo. Um, or, or, I'm sorry, Gizda, Gizdamo. He's an obscure Marvel character whose powers is that he's able to turn things into gadgetry, right? He can. It's kind of like in the first Transformers movie how the Allspark could turn anything into a Transformer. He's basically able to turn any machine alive. I'm bullshitting you. I am making all You better up. be fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here I am trying to fucking Google this character. I might have to come over there and kick your fucking ass. What, did, did you actually Giz- buy it? That's incredible. Gizmo. Frenick's mom comes over and it's like, Frenick, why did you Google Gizmo? Mom, why are you calling me Frenick? <laughs> <laughs> why did you say that name? Mo- Monica has one of the cooler parts in this episode because uh, Monica was allowed to get away with so much of the VFX budget. That scene where she's breaking through the barrier was so fucking cool. Yep. Th- that's one of the only other like talk worthy scenes uh, in that. It episode. was so cool. How like all the audios from like the Mark Captain Marvel and some unheard stuff from her life. And it's like, she's you're more power. You're a special kid. I cried. I cried. I cried because I cried everything. I cried. Aw, you're worse than Kevin Smith. It's true. I thought it looked very unique. As, like, a VFX person, once they started doing that weird shit where, like, different iterations of her were, like, bending around her, I was like, oh, this... I ain't seen shit like this before. Speaking of that, after she gets back into the hex, but, like, without her mind being shifted, they have two very expensive POV shots where she could see the energy fields coming off of shit around her... And I was so fucking happy. That shit looked so cool. And even if it was just two shots, it gave me hope that I could see a movie that looks like that someday. Yeah, that was a very well done sequence. It made me, it kind of did a lot of character development in such a short period of time for her, I thought. Yeah, and it follows a sequence that was a total red herring from the, like, early trailers for this. 
where they've got the th- the car trying to break through the barrier and meeting some resistance. Because they- they've been building this up since, like, episode five. Uh, like, Monica Rambeau's like, this, I will build the thing that will theoretically be able to break through. And then, like, her friend comes in and is like, this is the best space rover that we've ever made. And then it, it like, goes in and, and just fuck happens. Just nothing happens. It spits it, turns it out. It's half a truck. It, it's 50% truck now. Yeah, when that happened, I went, wait, why does the army have a space rover? <gasps> it's the Space Force! Yeah, they borrow the uh, the rover from the Kanye West video for Follow God. <laughs> the one that he, they're driving around in, him and his dad. That was just a very powerful moment of filmmaking. What did you think of that sequence, Tim? Cool. I loved him. You know what? He's the people's person. He speaks for the people. There were a lot of high highs in this episode, but the moments between the high highs, I thought were... I I, I liked it more than episode three, but that's about it. We finally Um, found out where all the children in town were. All the children in town were waiting in a a formation to be marched across a street out in the boonies. Yeah, those bits were funny to me. I don't care. So here's the interesting thing, though. Vision was like, Wanda's trying to stop me. I don't think that was Wanda trying to stop him. I think it might have been Agatha. You think Agatha is pulling the strings? That it's been Agatha all along? What the Holy fuck? Holy shit! I love that little song where it's like, It was Agatha all along. And you see all these flashback moments of her fucking shit up. And then she's like, Oh, I killed Sparky too. So you know the audience hates that dog-killing bitch. It's a Cruella coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, so Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Kubrick how it's, it's, it's the Kubrick stare it's the Kubrick stare <laughs> I, I refuse to watch the trailer on principle I, I, I think there's I'm trying to remember which one it was but it was like there was one going around where it's uh, when she sets fire to the dress in the trailer and it's like uh, a paused moment on it and it's like the Twitter captions like Saint Maud 2019 <laughs> I haven't even seen Saint Maud yet and I'm like okay that, I, there's something like that in that I guess. The reveal scene. You have the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. You have that one thing in the, the end of Westworld. TV, like prestige TV, has this thing where it's like, oh, everything's flipped on its head. We can do a kind of like big twist, a big reveal, because prestige TV. And uh, it all starts when uh, Agatha takes the kids from Wanda because Wanda is hungover. That's the plot of episode seven. She has a hangover and she wants to be alone. Then, so Agatha, like, grabs her kids, takes them to the house, and the little mind-reading kid is like, yo, I love your house, dude. It's, like, quiet here. Uh, eventually, Wanda goes over to pick up her kids, and she's, like, sit chilling in the living room with Agnes's bunny. And then she notices a fly on the curtains, and it's like, wait, what the fuck? And Agnes is like, oh, uh, the kids are playing in the basement. So Wanda goes down into the basement. Agnes reveals she's Agatha, which I've been calling since week one. Granted, so is like 80% of the internet, so apparently I'm not cool, but it's still what I thought was going to happen, and I was right. It's not the craziest reveal Marvel is hidden in a property. Like, it's not the Wasp hiding in that that, uh, subatomic scene of Ant-Man. It's pretty transparent if you know the characters from the comics, but, you know, we got a catchy jingle out of it, and that jingle uh, goes over a montage of explaining... All of the ways that Agnes has helped make this an entertaining sitcom for us. Agnes is actually a good person in a postmodern context because without Agnes, this would have been very boring. You know, in the words of Agatha, we live in a society. 
She didn't have to go that hard, but she did it. She did it for us. She did it for the fans. She didn't have to kill a dog, but yo, she went there. I like the scene where Monica runs into the house and Wanda's like, this shit again? Yeah, yeah, that tone. Every single time Monica's around, it cuts to the same shot of Elizabeth Olsen, like, cooking up a little red ball in her hands. And uh, it it strikes me as vaguely racist. I, I feel like if Monica wasn't a woman of color, that maybe Elizabeth Olsen would be like, yeah, we can reason A little about more this. patient. I think the great reveal at the end of this is not going to be Mephisto, and it's not going to be, uh, you know, Agatha Harkness. It's going to be that Wanda had had deep, buried down racism that she Jesus, has to confront. Like, that's, that's why she really liked the 50s sitcom. <laughs> she opens up she opens up the closet there's a klux the klu klux klux klu klux cock clan member robe in the in the clock fuck just say it again the kkk <laughs> robe is in the closet and they're like oh oh shit yeah and then the entire Racism. the entire plot of watchmen season one plays out after they find the yeah, clan yeah, robe. And it's just that it turns out wanda's the police chief <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we cracked it before Den of Geek did. WandaVision is about Wanda's inability to accept uh, multiculturalism. That's why it's a sitcom, baby. So that's where we're that's where we're left off is uh, at, at, at the end of this last set of episodes is that we find out Agatha has been the villain this whole time, instigating chaos in Wanda's life to the extent where she revived Wanda's dead brother, killed the the pet of her little children. And um, who knows what else? I'm suddenly reminded of something. The commercial. So, Nexus Pills. This puts a final nail in the coffin for my It's About Her Trauma Theory. However, Nexus... Okay, so this is cool. Nexuses are actually pretty important in the Marvel Universe. Nexus beings are individual entities unique to all multiverse and can affect the probability and thus the future. Wanda Maximoff is a Nexus being in the comics. Nexus beings are people that can control the universe. I, I'm looking it up now. You want to know who uh, um, we were talking about him earlier? Another character who's a Nexus being. John. It's me, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> this Nexus being called Galactus in your Fantastic Four film. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up real quick. The intro of this episode office theme hell yeah oh i thought they were doing a parody of all your bass the the, the theme song is clearly the office theme like somehow yeah just a few notes off so it's, they don't get sued it's like an office modern family mashup I was, I was gonna say it's like the visuals are like a mix of the office and modern family did you notice how it was wanda 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 yeah wanda? no vision in the opening it, right at the and end then wanda vision at the end yeah, except at the very end and then they had the little heart calendar, which, again, apparently indicates your boss is coming over, fuckers. <laughs> uh, Catherine Hahn sings the Agatha All Along song. That's her singing it. Hmm. Now that oh, is what I cool. call a parody of the Munsters. Okay, so here's my thing. Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba is a Nickelodeon show. How is it in here? It's not a Disney show. It, it, it appeared on Nick Jr. How did they get the rights to Yo Gabba Gabba? Oh, shit, Tanner. Um, I got breaking news for you. Disney bought Nickelodeon. Damn it. They bought Viacom. <laughs> <laughs> Paramount Plus is being rolled into another thing at Disney Plus. Uh, so fun fact about Yo Gabba Gabba. It was oh, created gosh. by Christian Jacobs. You know who Christian okay. Jacobs is? Lead singer cool. of the Aquabats. 
the greatest oh. ska superhero band of all time. It's all connected, baby. It Tanner, can, I'm going to do a cover of that Meatloaf song, I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, except I'm going to replace <laughs> the word love with ska, and I'm going to make you sing it. I would do anything for ska. Tanner. I would do anything. Put the gun down. No! I'll give I'll give Aquabats a pass because they they worked with Homestar Runner. Who's excited for the last two episodes? Uh, yeah, I am. I'll, I, I am I'll, too. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm 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 down for this shit, man. Uh, a certain man messaged me last night and said, "Hey, I think this show's redeeming itself." Who Devin said that? I did not name names. Devin said that. I did not name names. Was it? <laughs> Oh! oh! You can't, Austin. You can't let that stay in. Was it? No! no! Stop saying these All things. Right, uh, I, uh, moving on. Moving on. Overall, we're all excited for the next two episodes. Apparently, they're going to be like an hour plus long each. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think would make the show stick the landing? Because my answer is introduce one more villain. Just, just fucking Mephisto. Introduce Mephisto. Yeah. If they do that thing uh, where it was actually a whole nother person doing all of this, I'm gonna shit my pants. Post credit scene. It's Mephisto. And Evan Peters is Mephisto. Oh damn! Wouldn't that be um, cool? Post credit scene. It's Mephisto. I hope that they go all fucking out on just how fucking weird it gets with these next couple of episodes. If they if they go balls to the fucking walls in the next episode. I'll be satisfied. Post-credit sequence, it's actually Magneto. Oh! Post-credit sequence, it's a Joker, and he says, We live in a society where honor is but a distant memory. Isn't that right, Aquaman? Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk! Isn't that right, Tony Hawk? Post-credit sequence, uh, somebody is sitting in a chair, spins around, it's Galactus, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's like, <laughs> Agatha, it is me, Daniel Day-Lewis, playing Galactus. It was me pulling the strings all along. You have no power. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bomb Squad Podcast, Visual Edition. Now in picture. Austin's going to work at a sweatshop for a few days putting this one together. We're just like all the other popular podcasts on YouTube now. We have a lot of... A lot of faces going like this about about Marvel movies. We're we're running with the big dogs now, motherfuckers. <laughs>